Hey, what's going on? MJ Lennon here, uh, streaming two ways today. We are recording this for the Fitness Business Live podcast, and we're also streaming live into the ECA Facebook group. Today, I've got my uh, former client, now former student, now mastermind member, Christina McCormick, on joining me. So for anyone that doesn't know Christina, uh, she has just recently opened up her own small group personal training facility that it specializes um, in working with females. Christina left ECA two and a bit years ago, and today she's going to share her story on, I suppose, where she was beforehand in her corporate gig uh, and what led to that, and then sort of the journey since leaving ECA. Christina, welcome to the podcast stroke Facebook group. Thank you for having me. Yes. Um, uh, Christina, for anyone that doesn't know you, what was going on before you moved into the fitness industry? How did you move into the corporate gig? What was the process that led up to that? So I never really knew what I wanted to do. Like most people, um, when you're in sixth year, it's very young to try and determine the rest of your life. So I was always quite academic in school and just focused on achieving my grades kind of. Um, whenever I went to think about uni and going down that route, I was so unsure about what I wanted to do. So I just went with math and thought I'll start with that. And then I moved out, <laughs> moved out with the girls and didn't go to uni. So failed math miserably. And it was the first time I'd ever not done well academically and I freaked me out a bit. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to do something a wee bit easier than maths. And I decided to do business economics. Right. Because to me, then I was like, that'll branch up or leave me open to loads of kind of different jobs in the corporate world. Mm. So I did that. And then I started working in Dublin for a year. Hated it. Right. And you got the Dublin. Um, yeah, so went to Dublin for a year and then decided I didn't want to do that. Went, dragged my daddy to go to be a firefighter with me <laughs> because I just, right. I knew I was in very active and things then, but just wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Then I had this idea that I wanted to help people. So that kind of started right at the very start. Then I spent a lot more time in corporate, mm -hmm. around working my way up. So obviously I never became a firefighter. What, um, what happened there? What, was, uh, what went wrong? <laughs> I just thought it's very heavily male-dominated and I'm quite petite. So I just thought it was not going to fit, to be mm -hmm. honest. Did, did, you the, did you have to do any of the like um uh, any of the physical tests or anything like this or did, did no, it I went to one of the open days and I was quite well paid even back then um in the job that I was in and I would be taking a significant cut if I wanted to go 
and move into being a firefighter and starting off, I think it's ridiculous, ridiculously low, low wage. Yeah. And I was so young that I had just started coming into money and I didn't want to give that up at the time. So I did in corporate, <laughs> excuse me, and came home from Dublin, stayed in corporate. Honestly, it just always felt like something was missing. I climbed the ladder really quickly, um, was always getting promotions, getting pay rises, always like quite praised for being such a hard worker and it just wasn't enough. I just was always like, is this my life? I yeah. Can't, I can't do that. Yeah, because I remember actually speaking to you before you uh, signed up for the PT course with us. And this was a big area of friction for you because you were well, you know, you were getting rewarded financially and stuff for the job. But I could tell on the phone that it, it just it wasn't like fulfilling you, even though um, mm -hmm. it was financially rewarding at the time. And I got the sense that even over the phone, there was something missing because you're just like like it just doesn't feel right um and I actually really remember that conversation as well at what point did it become real for you that you were like uh, you know what I'm going to try this coaching gig or so, so not even try the coaching gig let's just dip my toes further into the industry because you, you were pretty active you were training in gyms and everything else when did you start toying with the idea that this could be a possibility so I would say I had thought about it for years. It had always been in the back of my mind, but I also never thought about it seriously enough for it to be my full-time career. I had thought about doing it on the side. Whenever I first started with my first PT, I think I was only maybe 21 at the time, 20, 21. And he had said to me, you would be really good at this. You know, you should do this. And I was like, no, in my head, I was almost a bit snobby about it because I was thinking, I make them really good money. Why would I be a PT? Yeah. Like, that's, that's kind of my thought process about it. Um, and I need a career. I can't just be a PT because at that point there was no, it was very much commercial was the only thing. And I couldn't see anything else than being on the gym floor forever. And to me, I was like this, doesn't make sense like I couldn't do that as a full-time job and I floated the idea around with my family um my dad is a businessman and he was like 100% do it on the side like make a wee bit of extra money cash in hand in your pocket um but no one ever thought of it as a real career plus I was the first so I'm child number four and I was the first to kind of be big into academics so for me to be big into academics and then go now I'm going to be a PT would have been everybody was like what so then I started seeing my now partner who is also a coach and once we moved in together I just seen how much freedom he had in terms of his days and it was lockdown or maybe just before lockdown I think and it started annoying me <laughs> <laughs> it 
he was coming home and I was at the, at, in the house all day doing like my job um working from home and he was coming home being like well what's the crack and I was like nothing he's like what have you been doing and I'm like I've been sitting here I've been sitting at this desk all day whereas he was saying do you know when I was coaching and then I went for a coffee and I was like actually I'm gonna punch you <laughs> even if he had been saying do you know I'm gonna be home at 12 and then he wasn't home until one or two by the time he came in I was like where have you been because I've just been sitting here and you've been out having the best time so it kind of got to the point where I was like god I I don't want to be this person and this is not how I want I don't want to have to depend on someone else for my happiness I need to make my own life fulfilling enough so I'm not clutching on to someone else to bring me some sort of happiness and I saw the amount of happiness that he had and fulfillment from his job and I knew I could do it things then I started taking it a bit more seriously and then we had a conversation about it and he was very supportive about it and it was the first kind of relationship I've had where someone was like encouraging me to be better and doing what I wanted to do and not trying to keep me small so it was a bit of a difference for me and then when I brought the idea to my family my mum and dad were like what are you insane my sister was like 100% do it she's the most supportive person on the planet and she said you've been talking about this for so long like you either need to do it or you need to stop talking about it because I can't listen to it so then I just had a conversation with you and even then I don't think I wasn't bought in at the time I wasn't sure if I was going to do it but once we had our conversation and you kind of put it forward in the sense of you don't have to do anything with this like worst case scenario you just learn something more about something that you love and I think that was the big thing that held me back for such a long time I get quite overwhelmed quite easily as you know so me thinking I have like a good job and I have a mortgage and I have a car to pay for and I'm just gonna change my career tomorrow and what the fuck how am I gonna cope um and what if I want to have kids? And I remember having this conversation with you on the phone and saying, but I'm a woman and if I want to have kids and then I'm self-employed, how am I going to coach? And you were like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> like this is our first conversation. Hold up. I think once I took it a bit more like whatever. Yeah, yeah makes sense. Um, I remember you, uh, for the, it was actually, I think you said for the first few weeks, of the course because you'd done the part-time course and you were still like on the fence about whether or not it was it was for you because you know anytime I speak to people straight up and this was uh this was refreshing for me as well I asked people so when did you realize you made the right decision and they're like oh straight away first day you were like no first day <laughs> I was freaking out still didn't know what, what whether or not it was going to continue on like all of that so like was there when exactly did you realize that okay this might be a thing it was definitely not the first day and I think that was what made me a bit nervous too that any testimonials I had watched everyone's like first day best decision ever my first day I was like what the fuck am I doing here like this is not 
I was surrounded by a lot of different people, a lot of people who were outgoing, people who came together. And I actually don't much like socializing. So when I got there and I had to, there was all these people who I didn't know. I just felt so out of my comfort zone. And I was just like, what am I doing here? So the first couple of days, as in, which would have been a couple of weeks because we were only doing, I did part-time, so it was only two days a week. Um, yeah, I just really, really wasn't sure. Then it takes me a wee minute to get comfortable. Once I'm comfortable, I thrive. So once I kind of got a wee bit more comfortable, I really decided had a word with myself and was like I can really run with this here and I can really use this if nothing else as an opportunity to grow and I pushed myself so much like I just used it as an opportunity like there was no one else there I asked every single question that I wanted to I learned as much as I could and as I started getting into the practical element the coaching element a bit more I started thinking this actually might might be for me even when I qualified I still wasn't sure because I had always wanted to do groups and even that made me feel a wee bit out of my depths but I suppose adopting that mindset of taking everything as it comes rather than having to make all these big massive decisions yeah, it's not an either or, it's just a, it's a process. It, it did take me a while before I thought, no, I've, I've made the right decision in doing this. Mm-hmm. I would say probably a couple of weeks. And I don't think there was a moment. I think it was gradual for me where I started to reconfirm that thought of I've, I've made the right call here. Like I belong here. Mm-hmm. All beliefs are evidence-based. Mm. Um, so you, you guys, uh, it was a it was a pretty fun group. Um, you were yeah. on, you uh, so Daclan was in your group, Aiden, Aaron, Nathan, Dylan, all that crew. They were all in there. Um, so then, uh, what happened whenever you finished? Did you start coaching people straight away, or did you like what was what was going on there? Yeah, so I actually went from zero to 100, as in one minute I didn't want to coach, and the next minute I was looking for a facility, if you remember. <laughs> yes. And so I am, once I set my mind to something, that's me set. So I had to get a facility there and then, and nothing else would do. But that didn't work out. So I was looking for a facility, was looking for a facility and my partner coaches in Momentum yep. in a small group facility. Um, so I had spoke to him and one of the other guys who owns it and he said, listen, we don't coach here on a Wednesday and a Saturday, so you can do that for a while until you get on your feet. So I did do that, but... I wanted to get out of that very quickly because I didn't like feeling like I was relying on someone else and the feeling of that it could be taken away at any point because they don't do Wednesdays and Saturdays at that time. But who's to say next week they aren't going to. So 
Uh, I did start coaching straight away. I struggled a bit, I think, at the start. And this is what I always tell whenever, like, you or Andrew sends coaches my way um, who have just started out. My biggest lesson was that I thought people were going to flock to me. And they don't. So I had put up, I had been working with my social media the whole time. And I really did just throw myself into it because I used to be, care a lot about what other people think of me and worry about things like that. When I went all in on coaching, I was just like, I don't give a fuck about this anymore. And it, it really changed me a lot. But I I put a lot of graft in my social media as I was going through the course so by the time I got to the end and that was hard who pushed me to do that because he was like you can't just get to the end and say I'm a personal trainer now start building it up as you go along so people know what you're doing um so then whenever I got to the end I put out a poll like would you be interested like 30 odd people voted I was like oh my gosh that's amazing and then well like three sign-ups or something <laughs> which is really oh, good but I I started coaching out of um and I wanted to do groups so I ended up I think with eight people or something when I started and split it over two sessions per week I was still working full-time in my corporate job as well and found it really hard I almost forget sometimes how difficult I found it because when you're not in it you Mm. forget yeah. But I remember like spending time crying and being like, I just don't want to be in this job anymore. And I just want to leave. And, you know, Carl trying to walk me around and saying, listen, like it'll all come. Just be patient. But even a couple of months, he was saying, you know, like four months or something. And I was like, four months? You're yeah. telling me I have to stay here for four months? I can't. So it, it did feel a bit overwhelming at the time. And the job that I was in was quite demanding as well. So I was a project manager, so it was a struggle to balance both. And then I ended up finding a spot in another gym. And I moved there, which gave me much more freedom. And I started to do small group PT in the morning. The gym wasn't being used until 9.30. So I ran my own small group Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, um, 6 and 7 a.m. And then flying up the road to start work at nine, working nine to six or nine to seven, trying to deal with clients and post up social media and do everything in between. And it was a lot, but um, yeah, that's how that kind of went. When did you decide it was time to leave the full-time corporate gig? So I I didn't. Um, that, one, that, one, that one kind of cracked up upon me. Um, so I know, obviously, we had kept in contact yeah. after I left the course. And I always said, you were so good to me. Like, just any advice that I needed or just checking in to see. I always felt like I had quite a good connection with you and with Andrew as well. And you always were there to be pushing me on. And you were very much like, why are you still in your job uh, every single time we had a conversation? So I had that on one end. And then on the other end, was, you know, like my parents saying, you can't leave your job yet. You can't leave your job. 
until you're making a certain amount or what about security what about this so I'm still off a bit but I knew that I wanted to buy a house so I owned an apartment at the time and I knew I wanted to buy a house so for me it was about waiting until I got the house and then I could leave my job once I had the security of the house rather than having to be self-employed and then wait another three four years until I got the house and I know at the time I think this is what I say to people too whenever they're talking about you know the conflict of being in a job a full-time job and doing coaching on the side when the right time to leave is I think you know yourself so you know your circumstance better than anyone so as much as you were on the outside looking in at me and saying you're ready to leave to me I knew what I wanted I knew that I wanted the house and that bit of security and I was like I'm going to stay until I get it and then I'm just I'm just going to go so I got the house and then it was all agreed and uh, I had a, a lot going on in my personal life at the time so I took a step back from my job and I started coaching full time yes. and it just brought me so much happiness like I can't even explain it. It at a time whenever I was really, really struggling with everything that was going on around me, it was the one constant and the one thing that I could put my whole focus into and my whole drive into. And it genuinely kept me afloat. And it was then my mum had seen me and she was like, What the hell? Like, you're so good at this. Because she had heard me on calls chatting to people. And she had seen how much it was bringing me mentally and was like, you should do this, you know. So I took a bit of a step back from work and then I left my job and just went all in. And to be honest, it seemed more, it didn't seem like a massive thing. It seemed more gradual um, at the time. Yeah, yeah. Just incrementally making changes <laughs> and yeah, everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. yes so you um you moved into the coaching role full time and I, I think still in the back of your mind having spoken to you several times and and knowing you um the facility was like always still got to do this here still got to yeah. the box and uh you know we you and I had conversations about different strategies and different things going on and it just never really materialized for a few months, uh, a few back and forth with different places, nothing, nothing came. And then a few months ago, you messaged me, seen this location, went and looked at it. What do you think? And I was like, right, this, this feels right. Yeah. Um, so what's been, what's the journey been like since, uh, since that day? Um, how have you managed to, um deal with all of the you know running the business and opening the facility at the same time um so I actually wanted to point out that I remember going between whether I wanted to so I was coaching there was only a certain amount of clients that I could take on in person because my hours were limited mm-hmm. to working around someone else so I did do online coaching as well and I kind of did them both simultaneously 
And I remember being confused for a while about which one I was going to step forward with. It's actually like around the time of um, the summit. Yeah. That's where I was at, that I was like, well, what am I going to take forward here? I had seen two facilities before that. They both fell through, which I'm very grateful they did. Um, Because it wouldn't have worked now looking back. But I came to kind of a roadblock of, what one am I going to go all in on or what one am I going to focus on and online I think it was a a good a great idea because to me I was like I can do this from anywhere so again I'm 39 so I was thinking about my future and you know if I have a family that will allow me to be able to work and that was always still in the back of my mind too but I'd had a couple of conversations and I remember actually speaking to Phil Brady about it and he was like, you're an in-person coach. Like, you are an in-person coach and I get so much more fulfillment out of being around the girls and bigging them up and seeing them that it almost felt like if I had been online, it was almost just what I was doing before, except like if I was sitting behind my desk all day, I'm still in the room all day. So I... I had toyed back and forth with both and then I decided to go all in and I actually signed up to the mastermind and we were like at that point once I had me once I went to the summit I signed up to the mastermind and you were like right 90 day goal what's happening what are you thinking and I was like I'm gonna go facility this is this is what we're gonna do and we sat down wrote out the goals and I remember towards the end of last year well towards the last quarter of last year again with everything that was going on in my life I was really struggling I was like facility just has to go on the back burner and then something just popped up (laughs) at the perfect time towards the end of the year and it was within our 90 days too I think of the of the goal so it took a bit of time for all of that to go through probably like I think a good six weeks before that was finalized and then um I had went to see it the location was great I had always said that I would love to work in the Murray because it was so convenient and everything just felt so weirdly right and comfortable I always find with me anything that is meant to be is never difficult yeah when I got my house it was you know people say like Moving house is stressful and getting the house and the seal is so stressful. I it was easy. The yeah. same way it was very easy. But then when things don't seem to be right, there's so much resistance with it. Yeah. So it was easy with this that I was like, I feel like this is right. And yeah, then we just kind of went all in on it. it took a while for the contract to go through. And it's been a whirlwind. <laughs> Ever since. And the opening date is when? The 6th of March. So not this Monday, but the following Monday. And honestly, it's, I feel like I don't have a minute to breathe, trying to balance coaching, getting ready to open and just trying to do business on the back end. But it's weird that it's still so fulfilling like I love it so much yeah 
up to me last night it was nine o'clock and he was like right laptop away enough is enough and I was like okay right you're right um yeah so I'm sick of unreal and so you have you kind of specializing in working with females but it's actually not your generic female fat loss uh stuff if we want to call it that um so the name of the facility is empowered tell us a wee bit how uh how this came about so i actually fell into strength training and i was starting to struggle with with a lot of females do i was starting to struggle with kind of my appearance and my confidence and my relationship with food and i started to develop an eating disorder and then i found strength training which i found really helped improve my relationship with food for a good while because i started seeing it a bit differently and i need food to be fuel and if i want to be strong then i need to fuel myself but I spent, so I've probably trained for around 10 years and that was maybe like the first year of training. And after that, I just kept seeing how women come into the fitness industry and even women who don't have any previous struggles with food, but 90% of them leave with a poor relationship with food. It's almost like fitness isn't helping them, it's hurting them. And I just kept seeing it unfold and this obsession with your appearance and your body and never being good enough and it's the same with me I was always trying to make myself smaller this small version of myself and it just got to the point where I just felt like I can't sit and watch this and I was a victim of it but also enabled it because I remember distinctly like me whenever I was in like peak training and uploading a before and after picture of myself and being like, this is so easy to get here. Like I just track my calories, like just track my steps, all good. And when I look back, and at the time that's what I believed. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't eating dinner. I was having like a protein shake for my dinner. I was getting up at 6 a.m. and making sure I got my 10K steps before I worked a full-time job. I was training five days a week. And I was like, that's not enhancing your life but you almost feel like it is and to me that's not what the fitness industry should be but I I keep seeing people coming into the fitness industry and being left worse off than when they come in and I remember that's one thing that you've always said to us like always leave people better than when you find them it's the key thing that I stand by as well I don't want, I want me to be able to enhance people's lives and make it better and make them a better version of themselves, not just a smaller version of themselves. And I have went through so many struggles in my life and I feel like training and strength training has always been a constant and it's been so empowering. So you can, if you do a good session and you leave the gym and you're like I can do anything I can conquer the world it doesn't matter and that's what I wanted to teach people and transfer on to people and yes I'm not against weight loss there are many of my clients who come to me and they're like I want to lose weight 
cool why is my first question to make sure that we're on the same page and people are doing things for the right, right reasons but also teaching people that weight loss is probably not going to make you happy so if someone comes and they're unhappy and they're like I want to lose weight well it's not going to bring you this sense of happiness that yeah. you're creating and it's I just felt like it was such a good space to be able to teach people something different because they're it's like come to my gym I'll make you you can lose 10 pounds and be so happy and I'm like that's bullshit because they're probably just gonna still be as unhappy maybe not more and be more self-obsessed yeah got it. and all that so it was much more for me about empowering women to be the best version of themselves and not have to feed into all of the bullshit that the fitness industry sells. Yeah. Um, so that would be that would be the message to I say general population, right? So let's say the average woman who is not a fitness professional, who who, who let's face it probably doesn't really enjoy going to the gym, but they wanna they wanna have a better uh, they want to have more confidence. They want to have a better relationship with themselves. Um, and that's a, it's a great message on the flip side of that. So I've seen this here, uh, a trend over the last couple of years is that there's more and more females making their way into the fitness industry. So whenever mm -hmm. we first started, uh, delivering courses, which was seven years ago now, the ratio was about 80, 20, on our first couple of courses. So it was 80% males and about 20% females. On the last, I would say four, actually more, maybe the last six courses that we have delivered, it's been like a 50-50 ratio. At one time I looked around and there was actually more females on the course than what there was males. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so with that as well, and I, and I know traditionally it was a very male dominant industry. Personal training was. What are some of the, let's say, pitfalls that young females um, are like, let's say, susceptible to moving into the fitness industry? Because if if we're being honest, right, if you look at social media, um, it portrays the industry, I, I feel, in a bad light and it gives people kind of the wrong sense of what it's really all about right is like a lot of influencers will be associated with the fitness industry and uh you know they make they may see that and their perception is well i have to look a certain way in order to get a certain amount of followers in order to have a successful fitness business so what are some of the things that you see uh young females need to look out for young female fitness professionals um and what would your advice be to them uh on as a whole uh such a good question um my big thing is that i've said this before but if you know pt comes in the fitness industry and doesn't have issues so you don't just be like i've loved myself all my life and everything's great there is something that stems from somewhere that you've been through something that makes you be like, you know what, I want to help other people in this way. 
for the most people, some people maybe just get into it and think this is easy and whatever. But for the bulk of people, I think it's very much they have issues, had issues. The problem is that a lot of the people can come into the industry when they're still in the crux of the issues. So whenever I talk about myself in terms of I know like a question you've asked or a question people have asked me before is like, do you regret not doing it sooner? And I'm like, absolutely not. Because I feel like I would have done people damage. If I had have got into the fitness industry way back when I started getting into training, I would have took all my issues and transferred them onto other people. So you need to do, maybe some people, like some females who get into the industry aren't even aware, you know, that they're in the crux of it, that they're, I've heard of like women handing out other women like 1,200 calorie diets and I'm like what the fuck like you can't you can't do that so I think that's a big thing to make sure you're in the best mind frame yourself before you start taking other people's health physical and mental health into your hands because you're their coach they look up to you you're a respected professional in their eyes they trust you and a lot of the people aren't ready to be in that position so I think that's first and foremost I think another big thing is like you were saying about the influencers and followers and things like that um which I um but the, the Followers don't mean shit. So I also, whenever I started social media, felt a bit scunder talking on my stories and stuff. And I don't even have much followers. And I remember actually doing a, like I worked with like a government um, body that helps you build your business. And we did a business plan. And one of the goals was to get me to 5K followers. That wasn't my goal he had wrote that on as a goal for me without me agreeing to it. So whenever I reread the business plan, I was like, fuck. So I think it is associated that you need to have a certain amount of followers to be do well. Um, and it's just shit because it, it doesn't make a difference. I would much rather have 300 people who I'm adding value to or seeing my stuff and going that's really helped me than having K&K people who scroll past your shit or don't care. And I think you can get very fixated on the whole Instagram thing. And I think a lot of people use it actually, especially women influencer vibes. Um, It's just for validation. We're here. I actually remember, so there's a, a boy who I'm friends with and he had said to me, he's also a coach, and he had said, one of the reasons I really like you is because you don't get your arse out for Instagram. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but I would, I don't post like half naked pictures to get attention on Instagram because I'm not trying to attract men onto my Instagram, and that's all that's going to attract. Yeah. If someone follows me and it's a man and I don't know them, I'm like, oh, fuck's sake. That's not a potential customer, so I don't want you there. <laughs> So as I watch my Instagram grow, my ratio of male to female followers, the male followers keep going down and the female keeps going up. 
which for a lot of influencers that wouldn't happen because it's just men on furniture stuff yeah but at least i know that i'm adding value it's good metric target audience rather than as the main unfollow me i'm like bye <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't want you here um yeah and i think the other thing is you can get into fitness and think it's going to be easy and it's really fucking hard work but it's also incredibly fulfilling if if you have if that is your drive if that is your goal you can change lives and help people yeah I think that's the main things of advice that I would give probably knock her about less attention in the following and all of that side of things another big one actually is stop curve what other people think the amount of conversations that I've had with people that they're like I don't want to post on my stories because people will be like who does she think she so like if someone thinks who does she think she is I mean who 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 cares and you can't dictate your life or your business around what other people may or may not have to say about it yeah agreed um christina i'm aware that we have taken up a lot of your time today so uh thank you for it um before we wrap it up here if anyone wants to connect with you where can they find you um on instagram at empowered belfast um if there was a question that i should have asked you but didn't what would it have been my gosh um I think what I think what do you regret or like what would you change is always a good question would you have changed anything uh, about the process I really really wouldn't I do believe that everything when I reflect back has happened at the right time although maybe at the time I've wanted things to be faster. I've wanted things to be different. Everything always falls into place. And looking back, you're like, ah, that's why that happened, how it happened. And so, yeah. Nice. Thank you, Christina. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much.